Let's just bow in prayer for a moment. Lord Jesus, we just made a pretty powerful declaration in that song that we've decided to follow you and that we won't turn back. Oh, Spirit of God, I pray that you would give us the courage to really mean that. Lord, I pray for those today who are just so discouraged that they're going, I do feel like giving up. Things are just too hard and complicated and they're hurting. And Lord, you know that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them with hope today, with the reality of who you are, and that you can be their source, you can be their hope. And Lord, I just pray that you'll minister to them. And Lord, I pray that even if that statement is only by faith today, that we want to decide to live for you. Oh Lord, give us that courage. Lord, I pray that for each person here, people listening online. And Lord, I pray that over Bridgeway Community Church. Lord, give us your hope to say together as a body that we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Oh Lord, fill us, lead us, inspire us, Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Bridgeway Congregation. And good morning to any of you who are guests or visitors with us today. It's great to have you here and it's great to see you. This is my first time seeing the gathered congregation in 2023, so happy new year to all of you. And uh, if I can be so bold as to say, I hope and I pray that 2023 is more than just happy new year, but I hope that it is going to be a significant new year. I hope that it's going to be a year of newness and of new beginnings. And oh, I pray and desire that for you as a congregation. You know, 2022, as we started this transition process that you've called me here to lead you in, was a lot about the past, was a lot about looking back and asking the Lord to bring healing and forgiveness and closure to some of the hurts in our past. And that wasn't an easy time. And it, I, I'm sure, certainly not naive enough to think that it's all good and there's, it's all fixed and all of that. Of course not. Healing and trust, and forgiveness, and repentance, and reconciliation is an ongoing process. But I believe we did some good work. And can I be so bold as to say and to suggest that 2023 can be a year of new beginnings? Can we leave what's behind and move ahead to what God has for us? No turning back. Let's decide to follow Jesus. What does Jesus have for Bridgeway Community Church in 2023 and beyond? You know, let me say to you, as I've had lots of opportunity to visit with so many of you, and let me just say again how thankful I am to the incredible hospitality of this church. I've been in so many homes. It's been such a wonderful privilege. But I've had the privilege of hearing a lot of your stories. And yeah, is there a lot of hurt, a lot of regret, and a lot of things that have happened in the past? Absolutely there is. But what overwhelms me even more or encourages me more is when I talk to you, the congregation of Bridgeway, Amazing, quality people with gifts. God has assembled this body with strengths and gifts to go forward with purpose and to go forward with power. And I just hope and pray you will be encouraged. I'm encouraged for you, and I want to lead us together with our elder team and our new elder team with hope to a bright future. And can you keep praying with us and trusting that that's God's heart for us? 
Can we move on from an old identity that wanted to have an identity that Bridgeway was about hurting church or troubled church or fighting church? Let's move on from that identity and let's embrace the identity that the Spirit of God wants to give us. A called forth church of disciples of Jesus that want to make an impact in the swift current and community around us. Let that be who we are defined as. Let that be the new hope for 2023. So with that, as you see from the, from the slide behind me, we're going to start a new series called Healthy Church, Biblical Church. Now, I have to confess that uh, as Darren and I were preparing this, uh, this sermon series, I stared at these two titles because I was like, which one can I pick? Which is the best one? And of course, Darren loved to remind me, Don, probably no one else cares about the title except for you. And he's probably right, I know. But I did stare for a long time. So at the end, I couldn't decide, so it's both. Healthy church and biblical church. Now here was my problem. You see, if you just say healthy church, to some that just seems like an inward thing. I don't think that's true, but that was my concern about just that title. And if you just say biblical church, it can maybe seem to some like we're talking about legalism. But neither of that is true. In fact, I would suggest to you that a healthy church is a biblical church, and that a biblical church is a healthy church. So over the next months, between now and Easter, Pastor Darren and I are going to lead us in a series um, going through a lot of the key components of what makes us a healthy church, what makes us a biblical church. And just pray with us and walk with us through this journey over over the next couple months. Now, to accomplish this, we have to start with the foundation. And I would suggest to you that the foundation are two of Jesus' greatest commandments. In fact, one of them is called the Great Commandment and one is called the Great Commission. That's our starting point. So that's on the next slide. I apologize, I made a mistake with some of my... uh, Oh, some of it's back, yes. Thank you, software. Oh, I love our tech people. They work so hard and changes and tech all the time. Anyway, here we go, my slide works. Thank you, guys. All right, so Jesus, these are his Great Commandment and his Great Commission. This is our starting point to be a healthy church and a biblical church. So in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said, I can sum them up this way. Jesus replied, Matthew 22, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's our starting point. Love God, love each other. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? And then Jesus also, though, left us with what we call the Great Commission. And that was just before he went off to heaven and he had all his disciples and followers around him and he declared to them in Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So this was Jesus' commission to his new church. And you know, sometimes we just think of this text as like a missions or a missionary text, but this text is for all disciples and all followers and for all churches of Jesus Christ. Um, Maybe the best way to understand this from the original Greek was was basically the idea that as you go, meaning as you live your lives and do all of those normal things and extraordinary things of living out your lives, as you go, make disciples. That's the bottom line here. Make disciples. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself and go and make disciples. There is our biblical foundation 
for where we need to go as a church to be a healthy church and to be a biblical church. Now, a few weeks passed. We met as a congregation um, in the gym with one of our congregation meetings, and we talked about how we want to simplify and clarify our vision going forward as a church. Now, these two verses might be as clear and as simple as we need, but we also need to kind of define it for us as Bridgeway. So the next slide will show you some of what we discussed. So our our leadership team in, in the past developed this statement that our overall purpose is that we exist to glorify God and make him known. And that would pretty much be a reflection of those two commandments. Now, we've had a mission um, statement in the past, or a vision statement. They basically can be the same thing. And it was a very good vision, vision statement, but from my observation of meeting with most of you, no one knew the mission statement. No one knew what it was, what it was for, or what it meant. And again, it wasn't that it wasn't good, it was good, it's just that you didn't know it, It, you didn't own it, it wasn't something that made sense to you as a church. So one of my goals in working with your leadership was, how could we find a mission statement or a vision statement that's simple, memorable, accurate, and yet something that we could use to evaluate and give us purpose, purpose as we look into the future? So we've been discussing this as leadership and we discussed it as a congregation and this is what we're proposing now to use a congregation. That our mission statement just simply be transformation in Jesus. That we can be a church that's all about transformation. So as we know that Jesus said, go and make disciples, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, we know that as our biblical principles and then for us as Bridgeway, if people say to you, well, what's the vision of your church? What's the mission of your church? And again, it's way more than that but in one simple way, For us to say it's about transformation. Is my life being transformed to be more like Jesus? Is our church family being transformed to be like Jesus? Is every ministry that we do about transformation? That can both give us a goal and give us a measuring stick when we evaluate our ministries. So think about that and pray about that. But I would would love for us to have unity around a simple but hopefully true statement to aspire to and say, yes, Jesus, we want everything we do in our personal lives and everything we do as a congregation for transformation to happen in our lives and our community around us. Now, it's wonderful to have a great vision of this is what we want to do, and yet it's another thing to have some concrete ways we're going to get there. And that's where this bottom part comes in, what I would call our discipleship steps. So over the next four weeks, Darren and I are going to take a week for each one of these steps and walk through these discipleship steps or this discipleship process. So you see them there. They're create community. I'm going to talk about that today. The next week, experience and model Jesus' love. Train one another to obedience. And then serve others and proclaim the gospel. And these, again, come right out of the great commandment and and great commission as to what our call is as the church. And yet these steps can be so transferable from our personal lives and to all of the ministries we do in the church. These can, can be how we measure and how we aim that we're actually being a missional church that's about transformation. And so that's where we'll be going and then beyond this, but we're gonna start in these next four weeks with these discipleship steps. So today create community. Now, many of you, if not most of you, all of you are in some kind of community. That, that, your, your, that community may be your family, that community may be a friendship group, that you may have community in your work situation. Some of you are involved in, in clubs or hobbies or sports teams where those people become your community. 
Communities can be awesome, awesome places to connect, be known, to belong. And yet, as a church, we want to be more than just a community. We want to be a spiritual community. The uniqueness of what Jesus calls us to in being the church is to something a little different, spiritual community. You see, the amazing thing to me about the church is that you get a group of people together that perhaps in any other occasion might not want to hang out or be together because we all got very different interests and backgrounds or whatever. And yet, spiritual community is when, because we have a purpose and a mission together in Jesus Christ and his gospel, and we have that purpose together, we come together in community around that. And the miracle of spiritual community is that all the regular things that are supposed to divide us are supposed to be cast away so that we can be unified in Christ and in who we are together. So I just want you to to understand that as we talk about spiritual community. It's not just, let's just have a nice little group that feels good together, but actually that we have a community that has purpose together, that has meaning together. That's what the kind of community we want to create together. So one of the best examples of spiritual community we have in Scripture are these few verses in Acts chapter 2 that describe the early church. So let's read this together. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now when you read that and think about that, I'm sure you would have lots of responses. I mean, this community can be very much idealized, and it certainly has been over the years, over the years by churches in many ways. But it's pretty amazing to try to think of a community that spent that much time together, that sacrificed that much, that they sold stuff to take care of each other. It's pretty amazing to consider the depth of the community here. So we've got a pretty high or big measuring stick here to say this is what spiritual community looks like. Now, we could either be discouraged and say, impossible, we could never be them. Well, and on one hand, you're right, because... We are Bridgeway Community Church in 2023. We are not 2,000 years ago early church. So we're talking different times, different cultures, lots of things like that. But it's still a wonderful biblical picture for us to see what spiritual community is and say, okay, Jesus, what are you calling us to? How are you calling us to sacrifice? How, How are you calling us to walk together community? What can we learn from this that can help us understand a little bit more what it would mean to create community? So what what we see first is the incredible devotion that they had. These are devoted disciples. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You see the little definition or how this word could be translated with much more meaning. Devotion, persistence, or persevering in something. Now you see, they had devotion by being together often to hear the scriptures to read the scriptures, to pray together, to worship together. That was a big part of what they did. So there was persistence in the spiritual disciplines that showed their devotion. But I'd like to suggest to you that this devotion was not a legalistic duty. 
It wasn't like, let's just go through the motions and do all the right things and we're good to go. No, this community had a sense of awe, a sense of learning the scriptures and praying together and worshiping together mattered. Now, I know we have dry times in our lives where we need to be persistent in the disciplines of scripture and prayer. But I also hope and pray that when we persevere through those times, there's also seasons where there's a sense of awe and excitement of the scriptures and of praying together and to to all the incredible truths of God impacting our lives. So I hope that and pray that for us. So again, we have to understand that devotional, having devotion has an element of persistence, but it's also persevering. We walk through valleys and mountaintops. That's the course of life. But do we strive for a consistent devotion to be these kind of devoted disciples that want to just saturate as much as we can in Jesus and his word? So they were devoted to all of that, but they were also devoted to one another. And you see there that that beyond the teaching and, and all that, there was also fellowship and the breaking of bread. They spent a lot of time together. Now the breaking of bread may have been communion as we understand it or a form they would have done it at that time but breaking of bread also meant that they were in each other's homes just eating together the very simple parts of hospitality and eating together and being in community together was a part of of what made this a spiritual community so there was devotion to the disciplines there was devotion to each other you see if we're going to create this kind of spiritual community there's an intentional process that we have to consider in the culture we live in. You see, we live in a culture that is all about uh, independence. You are valued and you are successful in life when you become independent. That is everything that we learn through our lives and through being successful in business or work or whatever you do. The more strong and independent you can be, that we value that so much. So what's so difficult about spiritual community is that spiritual community is not about the pride of being independent. Spiritual community is about learning what interdependence is all about. Now, we're not talking about being unhealthily codependent upon each other. There's definitely an unhealth to codependency, but we need to understand what interdependence is. That is the root of spiritual community. We need to humble ourselves to such a place that we are willing to be needy and need others, to be vulnerable, to allow others into our lives, into our things we call our personal space, being willing to be interdependent upon each other. Can you imagine in this scenario in Acts chapter 2 where people were actually selling stuff to give to each other's needs? How much they would have had to know about each other? How humbling it would have been for some to receive? And yet how generous and sacrificial it would have been for some to give. And yet it was because of this understanding of interdependence. Now interdependence might look different to us, but I think we have to so intentionally fight against our cultural norm, which is to so much value independence. Interdependence is so key for us to grow and understand what what spiritual community is all about. So these were devoted disciples we also see, and I've been talking a lot about this already, but they, were, they, were, they just had togetherness, wanting to be together, being together often. Now, just going to the next slide here, I wanted to show you uh, verse 46 and 47 in a different translation, just to get a bit, little bit of a different spin um, on how to understand this. It says here in NRSV that day by day, 
As they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Sorry, some of that's cut off, but my very great picture of people breaking bread there. I know, now we're getting hungry. Anyway, I wanted you to see this idea of day by day, because sometimes I think when we, when we just read that every day, we maybe can think that, okay, well, community must be like having some kind of church program every day of the week so we can all just be crazy busy doing church stuff. I don't think that's the understanding. I think the understanding that spiritual community that meant in the flow of their lives, day by day, they spent time together. And yes, some of that was at the temple worshiping. Some of that was was um, when they would gather together to hear the scriptures and hear the apostles teach. And some of that was when they had communion. But also a lot of it was day by day, being in each other's homes, being in community together, being this whole togetherness. I want you to see that this whole idea of day by day, I want you to see the ordinariness. A lot of spiritual community is just being with each other and living life together in all of the very ordinary. I told you earlier how blessed I've been to be invited into so many of your homes, and thank you. Can I encourage you to not give up on hospitality? You know, I know that COVID was horrible in terms of just so much isolation. Oh, man, talk about independence being fanned into flame. Absolutely. And so, so many of us, and especially if you're a natural introvert, it was kind of like, well, I didn't mind that, and I like my peace and quiet, and having people over is some hard work, and you have to clean your house, and whatever, right? Can we get over some of that and realize how important hospitality is? You are wonderful people, and you have amazing, beautiful homes, and I, and I don't care if they're clean or if the food's amazing, because it's always great, because you're there, and we're sharing, and we're talking, and I'm hearing your story, and I'm hearing your heart. That's what's important about hospitality. So can I encourage us, let's get over all the silly things that have us go, oh, we can't, oh, it's too far. I've driven out to the Smiths, it's an hour and some away, and they are wonderful, and the hospitality in that home is amazing. I encourage you to drive the hour and go out there, and some of you live almost that far as well. But again, can we just not, let's try to get past those excuses and say, wow, we, we need this togetherness, this hospitality, because if we don't know each other, if we don't know each other's stories, how, how do you have compassion for people if you don't know their story? Why do we judge each other so much? Because we don't know each other's stories. When we know each other's hearts and stories, oh, community just makes so much difference. And so, oh, my brothers and sisters, let's not neglect hospitality. It's so, it's so important. Um, just the next slide there, it talks about, about day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home. They ate food with glad and generous, and some translations say sincere hearts. And that word that gets translated many ways, that word sincere can mean single-minded devotion, the absence of pretense or simplicity and generosity. Aren't those some incredible words? You know, what I've learned from people over and over again is that people are longing for real. People are longing for authenticity. You know what? The small groups that, that say they have a great small group experience, it's because there's realness and authenticity there. They're in each other's lives and they're broken together. You know, when I hear about any group or any church or any ministry or anything where, where there's just this idea of realness and authenticity, people want in. That kind of authenticity makes community contagious. So can I encourage us here too? 
if you have, if you're experiencing wonderful community in a small group or in a ministry you're involved in or something like that, can I encourage you to also think outward? Yes, enjoy the beauty that you have with that group of people. But can you also look around in this room and realize there's a lot of people in this room that don't experience or feel community? Yeah, they show up here Sunday morning and they're glad that you smile at them and shake their hand, but they don't get to experience some of that community. Can we have that kind of a focus to say community, people are looking for something real, to be with people who want to follow Jesus and yet want to be real about the struggles in life and be there for each other and pray for each other and walk together. That's community and that's beautiful. And Can I encourage us to be those kind of people and to have that kind of heart with others? So I'm already talking about this, but the third thing I see is that community here was very inclusive. We see in in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The kind of community they had meant that there was favor in the community around them. The community around them saw these people love each other. These people care about each other. These people sacrifice and sell stuff to meet each other's needs. Amazing. These people forgive each other. You know, I I talked before about community, sorry, the ordinariness of community. But you know, along with the ordinariness of community is also the messiness of community. Now we all know the messiness of community pretty well, right? Yes, we do. We know it whether it's in our families or, or as some of you were thinking I was meaning in the church, which is very much there. We know about the messiness of community. Well, can you imagine the messiness of this Acts 2 church? Like, again, we idealize it because it all looks so amazing when we're looking back in Scripture, but I'm sure there was a lot of messy stuff going on. In fact, we find out later that in their daily distribution of food, there was a fight over some widows were feeling they were being neglected, and then they had, the leadership had to figure out how to deal with that mess. And then you had other people. There's a very scary story about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira who had bad, who had wrong motives in selling because they wanted people to think they were great and spiritual rather than they really had a heart to give, and that was dealt with pretty harshly. There was messy stuff. These people, in the messiness of their day by day, had to learn to love each other when they were mad at each other, had to learn how to forgive each other. They had to learn about forgiveness and reconciliation, and it was messy and it was hard, and yet for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the community, for the sake of creating community together, they were willing to walk those hard roads. Remember the day by day. The ordinariness of it, which is beautiful, and the messiness of it, which is also beautiful. There isn't one New Testament church that's written about in Scripture that didn't have lots of messy stuff going on. Just especially read about, read First and Second Corinthians. You want to talk about messy church? It's messy because it's filled with people and we're human and we sin and we struggle and, and yet that's not the problem. That problem is what Jesus came and died for and offers his forgiveness for. We're the problem when we don't walk through the messiness and say, Lord, I need to learn this day-by-day community to be face-to-face with people that are sometimes hard to be with or who have hurt me because spiritual community matters and it matters more than my vindication or how I'm feeling about things. Those are the day-by-day messiness and ordinariness of life that we need to walk through to discover and have spiritual community. So anyway, I went back a little bit now we're back. Now we're back to back to inclusive. 
You know, sometimes when people think of this first step, create community, it can seem like, oh, well, that's just an inward focus thing again. We're just caring about taking care of ourselves all the time. It's important that we take care of each other and that we take care of the body of Christ because that's a testimony to the community around us, just like this early Acts church was. People wanted in. They hardly had to go out in many ways because people wanted in. Can you imagine being the kind of community that when people drive by a church, rather than them rolling their eyes or going, oh, that's where all the judgmental people I know in town go, or all the cynical negative things people say, can you imagine if they drove by the church and went, wow, the way those people treat each other, the love that I see between those people, the generosity, that if you're in that church, they take care of you if you have struggles and heartache and have financial problems. Wow, I want it. Can you imagine if that was the reputation and people wanted in? That, that's what happened there. That, that's what spiritual community does. It rises us above churchiness and gets us into something real, something authentic. On the next slide there, I just wanted you to see what one commentator said um, the NIV commentary, talking about Luke, who's the author of Acts. He says, Luke wants to leave no doubt that there is an important connection between community life and the favor the community experienced with outsiders. In Acts, we never see a community turned so inward that taking the message to those outside and engaging with those outside is forgotten or ignored. So important to know what true spiritual community is about. It's not inward, it's outward as well. Now, George McLeod um, is known for this famous statement, which is only a demanding common task builds community. Only a demanding common task builds community. Now, think through your life. If you've been a disciple, follower of Jesus for a long time, think of the times you experienced the most community. My guess would be that often it was when you were in some kind of group that had a meaningful purpose behind what they were doing together. Now, maybe for some of you, it might have been when you worked, worked at a camp for a summer and you just experienced incredible community. Why? Well, because you had a shared demanding task with those people. Some of the best community I've ever had were my years as a youth pastor when I had great leadership teams. And some of those people that were on my youth leadership teams were some of my dearest friends because we had close community because we had a shared common task together. When small groups see growth in new people coming and, be, and, and becoming Christians, or they're reaching out and doing things in the community, they often have much more community because they have a shared common task. And you could probably remember some of those times. So let's not make the mistake of thinking that community are small, stagnant groups of the same people all the time, just doing the same thing all the time, even though it maybe feels good. But that spiritual community is more than that. And when we have this shared common task of this beautiful thing called this message of Jesus, this gospel, wow, what, what can God lead us to in order to experience that in that way? So, create community. Now, today is more about me showing you a biblical picture and giving you the foundation of this spiritual principle of why building community is so important for us to be a healthy biblical church. Um, I'm not today gonna go into sort of a more seminar style of okay, so in your, in your personal life, in your small group, in the ministry you're a part of, but this step like the other disciple steps also can have many practical steps of how do you build community together. 
And that is something that I hope we can, we can unpack more with many of our leadership teams and small group leaders and, those, and action team leaders and so on to say, hey, because we need these specific steps in order to move forward in our vision. It can't just be lofty dreams and ideas, but there needs to actually be some concrete steps of how we do this. But I hope and pray that I can encourage you today to just desire and pray for and live out this community. Let's be in each other's faces, even the people that we're finding really hard to like right now. And let's let 2023 be a year of new hope and new beginnings. New beginnings in so many relationships in this room. Let's surprise each other with crazy generosity and hospitality. Let's reach across this room and beyond into our congregation and community. And let's see what kind of spiritual community God can build and grow here. Now, several times, we read, we read in Acts that when they met together, they broke bread together. So let's break bread together today. We don't have a meal after church today. That's awesome, too. Thank you for those of you that worked so hard to make that happen. We're going to have one in a few weeks. But today, we're going to come to the communion table, and we're going to break bread together, and we're going to be a community. So I'm going to invite Pastor Darren to come join me, and the worship team, why don't you come up as well? We'll switch sides here, Darren. So I wanted you to see up front, close and personal, the the symbols of communion. And I want you to, to picture the moment when Jesus instituted this. So Jesus met with his closest community, his disciples. And they were meeting for a Passover meal. They all knew what to expect. But Jesus, as Jesus loved to do, went off script because he had something brand new to proclaim to his closest friends, his close community. So the scripture tells us that Jesus, he took the bread, he broke it, and then he passed it out, all of them. And Jesus said, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. I believe that when Jesus passed around that bread and held it up and said, this is my body, I believe they saw him back when he had said, I am the bread of life. Jesus' body is our life, our sustenance. So I encourage you, when you come forward today and take the bread, it's as if you're taking in the very life of Jesus, the life he wants to give you. He gave his life for you to have life. Jesus, the bread of life. Then later in the meal, Jesus took the cup. Well, he probably took a jug because he was going to have to pour some for all of them. There's many cups at a Passover meal. But he took this special cup, he poured it, and he gave it to each one of them. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new plan, the new promise in my blood. Just as Darren started the service with saying, the lamb's already been given. This is what Jesus was saying. Here's the new plan. Because Jesus poured out his blood, we're forgiven, death is defeated, and we have life in Christ. A new covenant, a new plan.
So that's why we come to the table reverently to remember and be in awe. But we also come to the table celebrating a new covenant, a new plan, a new life, forgiveness, and the very life of Jesus within us. So, devoted disciples of Jesus, come to the table. Let's break bread together. Now, in just a moment, the music will start, and then we'll ask you to, to line up down the aisle and come, and come and receive the elements. Just so you know, all the bread is gluten-free, so I hope you, you can all come, and we would love to serve you. I'm going to take the, uh, these other elements, and if, if you're, for personal or whatever reasons, um, aren't able to come forward, no problem. I'd be happy to come to you. But again, we invite you, come to the table. So let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Oh, Lord, that early church, it said that they were in awe of all the miraculous things they were seeing around them. Oh, Lord, may we be in awe of you and in awe of what you're doing in the lives of our brothers and sisters around us in this community. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you pour out in power and just give us a sense of awe today of your presence here with us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this new plan, this new covenant that you went to the cross, that you gave your body, that you laid down your life, and that you spilt your blood, that we can be forgiven and free and have life. And so, Lord Jesus, we praise you and we receive this. So, Lord Jesus, forgive us. Lord, as each person just prays privately and confesses, Lord, on behalf of the church, Lord, <clears throat> for our corporate sin, Lord, I pray, forgive us. Let your blood cover us and restore us. Oh, Lord Jesus, bread of life, fill us with your life as we come to your table today. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.